0: Welcome to La Cura Podcast, decolonizing Latinx health and reclaiming traditional healing. This is your host, Francisca Porches Coronado. La Cura Podcast is a project of Mi Gente in collaboration with Resilience Strategies.
1: La Cura. Hi, everybody. Uh, good to have you all listening today. Thank you for listening today. I am here with my friend, my good friend, one of my besties, actually, Carla Gonzalez. Um, we go way back to Los Angeles in our time together, organizing in, on the buses, actually, of Los Angeles, which we'll tell you a little bit more about later. And I have been wanting to record with Carla for a while now. Again, she's one of my good friends, and we have a lot of fun together, and I love our conversations. It's one of those people that I just like really love to talk to, you know? So we want to put this out Mother's Day weekend, and we are both mamas, and so we thought it'd be kind of fun to have our Mother's Day moment right now a little early. Welcome to the podcast, Carla.
2: Gracias. Hey, everybody. <laughs>
1: um so it's not an interview so much we're just literally going to chat it up and the reason why i wanted to have this conversation is because you know la cura is um you know we talk about decolonizing latinx health and reclaiming traditional healing and we're in the midst of a pandemic moment and i thought you know let's make offerings to do a community care series so But we really need to just also have, like, some real conversations about how we're doing and how we are. So just experiencing this moment and holding it down or not holding it down, that's the other thing. Like, we're all just kind of doing the best that we can. So where are you right now, Carla?
2: Girl, this (laughs) is crazy. Um, And I mean that in the most biggest world. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's just not even something that I ever thought would ever happen in our lifetime, you know? And I mean, my mama be like, vos no sabes que es cosa que es sufrir? And I'm like, no, I don't, but this sucks. <laughs> and it sucks for all of us. And it sucks for, yeah. you know, the parents, the, the workers, the kids. Like, I think all our kids are kind of over all of us, you know, <laughs> like, they're just like,
1: and we're over them too. Let's just be real. <laughs> Girl,
2: so over it. Like you, you know, we might have a lot of different philosophies around a lot of different things like screen time and what kind of food you can eat or not eat. But I feel like this pandemic has kind of, you know, relaxed us all <laughs> in so many ways, because yeah. we gotta, you gotta give a little bit. There's only so much you can do inside at home. And then we live in Phoenix, Arizona It just started getting really hot. So The the middle-of-the-day activities kind of went out the window at this point so yeah I mean I'm just you know we're just trying to keep our our sanity by doing everything possible that you know we can find joy in and part of that is talking to friends and hanging out and watching like movies. I personally hate cartoons and so I force myself to watch things because the rest of my family enjoys it. (laughs) Um, Did you always hate cartoons? You know what? I did always hate cartoons. I hated cartoons and Sesame Street, but not Mister Rogers' Neighborhood. Oh, yeah, that's cute. Yeah, so I don't. You know, I'm, I was also a different type of kid that loved Novela <laughs> with my mom. So yeah. yes, yeah. So yes, yeah,
1: I know. Yeah, I think, um, well, for us, for me, like I've been um, at home with three children. Um, I have a seven-year-old, a three-year-old and a nine-month-old and it's, it's a wild, wild west out here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, from an indigenous perspective. Of course. Um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> and it's raw. It's it's a lot. And um, I think the first three weeks were the hardest for me. And then I can't say it's become easier. I think I've just gotten more used to what is inevitable, which is the this new... Normal, not normal, you know. And so, yeah. um, but you know, there's some things that became apparently clear to me. So one is like I feel like when we, when our kids are off to school every day, when we just kick it with them on the weekends, to be really honest, or in the and in like after school, like I don't know about you all, but I'm gonna keep it a hundred percent. Like there is some level of intolerance uh, or tolerance that we have lost around being with them 24 seven. And that's yeah. just real. It doesn't mean I don't like them. It doesn't mean they're not awesome. And I don't love them, you know, with all my heart, but there I, I did, I literally did have to start rebuilding my level of tolerance for, yeah. for this. And, um, it's on a whole other level. I know you're home with, with your little one. Um,
2: I am and and you're right. I mean, I one of the biggest realizations I had and being that I was at some point a preschool teacher to many of the jobs that I've had in my lifetime, I was like, yeah, I don't want to be a preschool teacher or a teacher to for that matter and I totally give it down for all of you know maestros maestras out there in the world that are keeping our kids, you know, learning and and moving every day, but I didn't sign up when I and and I think this is an unpopular opinion, but like when I decided to be a mom, I didn't decide to be a teacher in the traditional sense. So I really enjoy <laughs> my kid going to school and having, you know, especially if like the younger they are. Cause I think if you're a little bit older, you might be able to connect digitally better with like what a school curriculum might look like. But when you're like two and three, four and five and six and seven like elementary school kids it's it's kind of hard to expect them to just be okay and learn with you and their you know ear all the time and i agree i think i love my child all the way love him all the you know and sometimes i just don't like him like he'd be throwing some tantrums mm, yeah him so i just you know and and we just um my you know my partner hector's little sister who's 15 just moved in with us and so having a two-year-old and a 15-year-old i personally think that teenagers are toddlers too just with a little bit more ability to speak their emotions cuando les da la gana. And so now we have like, you know, the morning, like, what do you have to do for homework? Did you finish your homework? Are you doing your homework and the chores and this and that? And so it's like, I work to send you to school for a reason. And this pandemic just didn't care about anything. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: So given that we're doing a whole Mother's Day um, episode and we are, very unconventional mothers. I wanted to <laughs> ask you, what's the number one thing that, or right, what's some other maybe a couple shocking things that you definitely did not think would be involved in what you romanticized as motherhood? Because let's just be real, um, a lot of us do romanticize that. We romanticize the whole thing, um, and then we're like, oh, that is um, not what I. Expected,
2: expected. <laughs> um. yeah, for sure. I mean, I think you know, first and than, than anything, I I talk about this openly a lot because I think that it, it's important for me to talk about because it's something that I've that I've learned that it was like a struggle for me and I didn't know before. But I'm not the birthing parent of my child. Um, I had I was lucky that my partner was able to birth our child after me trying for a long time. And I didn't know how it was going to be. Like I didn't know the connection that it was going to be. I didn't know um, anything. And I felt like it was just different. I never imagined myself as a little kid, especially as a Latina in a, in a Salvadoran household, thinking I'm not going to birth my kid. It's always been a, a thing I wanted to do. And so just learning how that was part of my experience and real experience was, was real. And then, you know, I think the nurture nature situation really came into play for me. Sometimes my kid is so stubborn and just like, unas cosas, that I'm just like, dude, I, I don't know. Donde eso. And then my partner, <laughs> he'll be like, do you really not know Carla? <laughs> no, pues, says, no, like literally sometimes I can't, I, I can't. He just has such a will and might in him that is, uh, you know, very much. We call it a Gonzalez, like it's a Gonzalez trait, and, um, and so you know, learning that, I think, I think sleep. Like, I know todos te dicen que you know you might not be able to sleep. First of all, just to pause. (laughs) That's a Gonzalez. That's the Gonzalez trait. But Carla
1: is a Taurus, and (laughs) we need to keep it. Real with people about what the Taurus mind and attitude and uh, life is like. And so, yes, it's the Gonzalez trait. It is also the Carla Taurus. You know, um, I love Tauruses. Big up to my
2: Tauruses. (laughs) Taurus season. Um, Yes, I am a Taurus with the Gemini moon and a Pisces rising for all those that you know know about those kinds of things i just like saying them like come and teach me lessons of myself man cuz dane um but yeah so i just think that that is a big it's a big um eye opener for me and And honestly, I don't know. I I give it up to you because you have three kids and you're doing it, you know, all this amazing work and you're creating all this beautiful content and working with healers and, you know, constantly staying involved in in what our people are doing and you're raising three kids. Um, On top of it, it's it's a big, big lift to, to push and and to hold, and so I, a veces, I'm just like, I don't know, literally yesterday I had this conversation, I was like, I don't know if I could have another one, I just, it just, it seems yeah. like para empezar otra vez, and just to, it just seems like this is a lot, con uno, y luego lo multiplico, it's a lot, so, yeah, I think, I don't know, I mean, for you, what what is, what for you was the most romanticized version, I uh, think, that you. <laughs> the
1: whole thing. <laughs> no, the whole thing. I honestly, it's the kind of thing, like, I thank you for sharing that part about, you know, both honoring Hector for birthing the baby. And then also like, from a perspective of like, I'm not the one to birth the baby. So then expectations or like relationship to the whole thing looks looks and feels different. I think it's the kind of thing, like, I spent three years struggling with fertility issues and losing babies, too. And then I finally birthed one. And I think where people romanticize pregnancy and the labor and todo eso. And some people, you know, I know, like, um, I have friends that, you know, her and I, or some of us, would clown about, you know, all the romanticism sometimes online by certain people that we see, like, post with a brick pain bellies or whatever. And maybe that's how they feel. Maybe we're just being haters, but like, I'm not, a fa- I, I don't love being pregnant. I didn't, I didn't love being pregnant. Like I thought I would, I didn't love birthing the baby. Like I thought I would. And you think that that's would be the, that would be the case because I was so desperately yearning for it. And I had mm-hmm. so much grief around it. And once it came around, I was like, Ooh, this sucks, you know, yeah. <laughs> and talk about unpopular opinions, you know? Um, and then having like a wild um a wild ride as a as as a you know birthing process too. So that was definitely like a serious reality check. But um but a lot of the hard work starts after that. Like that's yeah. like I thought I had issues with fertility and the labor and the, like, all that stuff, but like the real hard ass work starts the minute you get home you know Mm -hmm. um and so I think everything about it I think everything about it I was not like wrong per se but it was just that kind of thing where like you have no freaking idea like whatever thoughts you have are just flipped on their head and I think um I was in this place where I was so obsessed with having them that honestly like to keep it real like I didn't even think about the raising part. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so clueless. You're like, I didn't, I didn't think, think
2: about it. Like, you're like, yeah, <laughs> I know that if I feed them, roof them, they're going to be fine. I mean, yeah, <laughs> honestly.
1: That's the hardest thing. That's the hardest thing. And for us, you know, some of us who had really rough relationship with our mothers, Um, learning how to mother when you weren't necessarily mothered in the way that you expected to be mothered is really hard. Because then you realize, how do I mother someone when I wasn't really in what I would consider mothering um, to to the level that I needed it? You're sort of healing your mother wounds and then you're also like trying to mother. So it's, I was a hot mess. I still am sometimes like, thank you for the love and the props. But the reality is it's like, hmm, you know, like there's like the things that I'm doing and I'm holding it down. Like, you know, there's days when I'm like, están vivos. That's good.
2: <laughs> like We made it to true. 3- <laughs>
1: we made it through today they're alive um (laughs) uh and tomorrow maybe you know there'll be other cool small victories but uh there's days like that for sure so it's like so yeah i think that i just completely failed to i mean failed is a strong word but like did not even consider everything that came after birthing a baby and um no matter how many books you read no no sabes no sabes nada you know
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I relate a lot con lo de mothering. I think a lot of, I, I was lucky and kind of unlucky if, I don't know what other word to use is to raise myself and then also to raise my, my siblings. I have two younger brothers and then, um, one of them is three years younger than me. And the other one is 10 years younger than me. And when my mom, she would never tell you this because. Por favor, no va a decir. But she basically <laughs> was like, you know, no sé quién dejarle el niño. And at 11 years old, I was like, I'll take him. And she was like, are you sure? And I said, yeah. And that lady gave him to me. <laughs> she, she was like, fuck, man. Yo no, yo no a tener que pagar este para que lo mm. no cuiden. And so <laughs> I ended up raising my little brother, whose name is Brian. And... Like he'll say, "Remember when you guys put me in a in a suitcase and you and you wouldn't open it even though I was screaming and you know? Remember when you guys locked Aww. me in the room and, and put the exorcist on and and just and you know, I was screaming to get out. There's a lot of like put me somewhere and get him out that we didn't do. <laughs> I mean, what else and do I, you do? I right? Mean, and, I mean, it's like one. We're we're kids like we're kids raising kids. And we thought at 11, 12 years old that it was funny to do that to our little brother because that's what little brothers and sisters do. But that's not what a parent does. But, you know, so it was hard. And I also learned a lot of lessons on what I wanted to do around raising my kid emotionally. Um, because it, you know, even now, I mean, me and my brothers have a really, really close relationship, partly because we grew up together and I, and I took care of them, but partly because as I was learning a lot of the things that I was learning in the movement and I was learning about myself and I was learning about, you know, breaking cycles and all this stuff, I was somehow as a kid applying it to them. And, um, and was able to really change the relationship I had with them around that stuff. And I think, you know, because I am, I had, I also had a hard time with fertility and, you know, wasn't able to go through full pregnancies. I had to sit down with myself and just really wonder like what type, if I get the opportunity of raising a child whichever way it is and being queer, you know, we a lot of our queer families have to really go the, you know, miles of having all these conversations before you even have the opportunity to have a baby. Like, how am I gonna raise this kid? And um and I think when once Agua Angel came, I was like, okay, I have a lot of choices to make. And I think the 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 small victories of you are Alive today is a big victory, I think you know <laughs> <laughs> like maybe today you ate a lot of cereal and you should have maybe eaten some vegetables, but you ate so great, you know, or um, I don't know, I just you know doing that and I think and and then also coming to an an understanding with myself every single day when I wake up out of my sleep for my child like wanting applesauce in the morning to not yell at him or not you know get mad because he's asking for his needs is is a big it's a big thing that i I have to do because my parents didn't do that with me they weren't either not there because they were working and doing other things and or they were just mad because we were poor and we were bothering them <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know,
1: and they were tired
2: and-, and they were tired and they didn't want three kids running around and and you know just, they just wanted us to act right. And we were kids. And so trying to figure that balance of how to mother with all of the different experiences that we have is, is, is a big deal. And I think creating different humans that will grow up and say, yeah, my mom wasn't so nice sometimes, but I do feel like she was there for me. Like, that's a really big hope, you know? Right. Yeah, <laughs> I, could, I, could, I could always go home. I could count on her. I could come out as gay and she was fine. You know, I could do a lot of different. I could have a conversation <laughs> with her. Like, I'm I'm hoping that as these kids grow up, they feel like that's something that they have that maybe we didn't have growing up.
1: Hopefully this will my daughter and my, my sons or my, my children will say, like, my mama is my ride or die. She gets on some a nerves sometimes. She over worries about X, Y and Z. She's a right. little paranoid. She has way too many opinions, (laughs) uh, but she might rather die. So in a crisis, I'm going to call her and I know she's got my back. And I think that's exactly what I would want my kids to say as well. Yeah. And probably what they will say, honestly. I probably will have too many opinions and get a little neurotic about things. Um, Because we do inherit stuff from our parents, (laughs) (laughs) even if we try not to. Um, so that's what I was gonna ask you. Like, uh that we talked a, a little bit about what surprised us and then what is surprising you about what you're carrying on? Both, you know, obviously you're super salty, which is awesome. <laughs> and um and that is something that, you know, Agua will have, but what is something you're just like in the middle of a sentence and you're like, Oh my god, I just heard my mom or my dad through me and you get You know, completely horrified because that happens to me. But I'm curious (laughs) what that moment is
2: like for you. Maybe it doesn't happen. Maybe I'm wrong, but it definitely happens for me. Yeah. If you ask Hector, he will tell you a lot of different things. I'm gonna try to think of some things. Um, (laughs) I I think children make messes. So when I was growing up, my mom she wanted her house to look the way she had it, like. De la mañana, la noche, no quería que le hiciéramos tiraderos, you know? And so I've figured out in myself that I really don't like, as I don't like cartoons, I don't necessarily like children's toys everywhere. It really bothers me. And so I give my child their, their you know, their proper, they had a room and, you know, now they've moved into our room um, and they have all their toys and they have all their stuff. But like, If I see a block in the wrong place, like in La Cocina, and I happen to step on it, oh my God, it makes me so mad. (laughs) And I think of my mom, you know, and I'm my dad, and I'm, and I just, I'm like, wow, I, I shouldn't be this mad at you because you're a kid. You're, you don't know for, I can, like, the lesson is let me teach you how to put it back and tell you that, you know, this is not where it belongs. But my gut reaction is, you know like literally my mom like you know just i my parents cursed a lot and and salvadorians you know we curse a lot at least in my family and so i um so i get that that immediate gut reaction um or the and, and that's just or like cuando estás enfermo o cuando no comes you know like kids will tell yeah. you if they want to eat or not like, si tienen hambre, van a comer. Si no tienen hambre, no van a comer. And I know that. Yeah. And my, my heart, eat, eat, and I know that, that like, like, Agua will come to me and say, Mommy's sandwich. And he'll and he'll eat it con ganas. Like, he'll be like, oh, yeah, that was a good sandwich. But sometimes if he doesn't eat, like, I'll just be worried. And then, I have, yeah. you know, I have to have my mom's saying in my head, el niño no ha comido Carla, no le has dado de comer, primero dale de comer al niño, capechito, dale vitaminas, le doy macoy, you know, like, it's just, it keeps going, and I just can't stop myself, like, what were those pastillas macoy for, you know, like, what were they? I don't know. I don't even remember them, like, can you just tell me what, but
1: tell us what pastillas macoy, I've heard you I've heard you quote your mom on Pastillas McCoy because I, I, I remember like Pomada de la Campana and other shit that like Mexicanos would use. But
2: Pastillas McCoy never heard. So tell us. This Pastillas Bast- McCoy, okay, for anyone who ever grew up, I don't know if it was 80s or 90s, it came in this little box with this little girl, white girl in the front. And it said, it said McCoy. And they were pink little things. And my mom told me that they were good for everything. Like, si tenía... Si, si no tenía hambre. <laughs> si tenía hambre. Si tenía un parche en la cara. Si tenía... You know, if I was getting... If I was... If I was... My arm was hurting, es porque no me tomé la pastilla macoy. You know, si... Me, me caí, me raspé. Es que tomate la pastilla macoy para que te, pa te, te pongas más mejor rápido. You know, it's just... It was kind of the thing that she thought was going to fix me. And I and they take the, the coating. It was pink, and it it tasted really good, and so I would lick it, and then but then you got to the pastilla and it was I think it literally is fish oil, like the algún pescado, and so then it would taste really bad. That's why they would put it in no. a bunch of pink quote of sugar, um, sugar. Yeah. So yeah. So that's you know, I, if I see it, I can't. I I, I, I
1: like. Oh my god! I'm so going to Google it now and probably get you (laughs) a couple frascos (laughs) for your
2: birthday, which is coming up. (laughs) Oh man, I would totally do an art project with it. That's for sure. That
1: also makes no sense. Like why would the pastilla have complete opposite benefits? You know, like (laughs) like you, you know, your head hurts uh, because you haven't taken la pastilla or something that's the opposite that's like just impossible to clinically prove the benefits that are completely opposite ends of the of the spectrum which is hilarious it's like vix
2: um
1: and the amount of people that told me they ate vix and i'm like
2: oh, i ate Vicks.
1: it says clearly on the label do not no, eat vix
2: i know just I mean? talked to my father a month <laughs> January when i was very sick and he said Comete un poquito de VIX te lo nomás un poquito. So, así probarlo poquito. I was like, no, dad. No <laughs> man, Vicks. He's like, vaya pues, no te, no te quieres arreglar. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> it says don't enjoy. Shame
1: though. on you. You just don't want to feel better.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <Exactly> my
1: fault. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Yeah, with my I feel like for me, I what I experience when I definitely catch myself, it's like two things. It's like I curse. I I curse. And this is not at my kids, but I curse like in life as like a way of being. Like I just so you know you know, like I'm from northern Mexico. Well, first of all, Mexicans are just crazy about cursing. I'm from northern Mexico, which we are at a whole other level. Um, you can, you probably can hear my kids now, and up there with like people from Mexico City. But um, but I, I catch myself sometimes, although it just it's really is part of my vocabulary, and so I'll never forget when um, and it's because my mother. My mother is like the has the dirtiest mouth, dude. If if I'm somebody who like is mal hablada, it has everything to do with my mom because that's just how she spoke all the time and still does. Um so I will never forget when i my seven year old now at like two um would started actually invented a word. He knew it was a bad word because he heard me say it. And I don't know, somehow concluded it was a bad word. And he, instead of saying chingada, he would say (laughs) chingongong. And he knew it and he was like pushing it. And so he became like, all my friends started making fun because he would be like chingongong when he would get mad. And I'm like, Oh my God, that is totally my fault. Um, this is what I'm passing on to my child, but he was sort of smart enough to know he was pushing the envelope. So then he sort of switched it a bit. And this, he's, this is kid at at two. Um, he dropped it thankfully. Um, but then I also catch myself just going into like, just like this crazy, I think you and I have connected about this like narrative of a real, like of tragedy, you know, like I went to hang out with you and Hector for your bachelor's in Palm Springs and you know my my child was 3 months old and I feel very happy that I left I needed to go for 2 days um, but I literally on the drive there had like a mini panic attack and I was like oh my god I am my mom like I literally started thinking about Jose was going to be driving in the car during the weekend with all three kids and they were all going to die like I literally could not get that out of my head and I just started crying and I called him and told him and he's like, you know, he was really nice and compassionate, but it's like I go into these like wild, you know, narratives about the most horrible things that could possibly happen. And I'm like, that's my mom, pobrecita, you know? And I and I know she, and I wasn't always as compassionate, sadly. It's terrible. I'd be like, Uh, that's crazy. You're crazy. Estás exagerando. Déjame en paz, you know? Yeah. Um And that's probably what my kids are going to tell me, but but I catch myself and I'm like, whoa! How did I? How do I go down these wild paths of what terrible things the future holds? And you know, when did that happen? So, those are definitely things that I catch myself doing that I am working on right now. But I'm also curious, like, you know, what are those things that you do love that that you got, you know, as as under under mothered. Mothers, I would say, not to give us a title, but I just (laughs) thought of that Um, because we weren't mothered at all, but we were definitely like a little, it was a little underwhelming at times, you know, for a lot of reasons, like, (laughs) you know, because parents were, because they were migrantes because they, you know, probably weren't mothered themselves or parented themselves for a lot of different reasons. But what are those things that you're like, yeah, this comes, this comes from my family. Like, this comes from my mother. This comes from a long line of, you know, salvadoreñas who held it down this way. And I'm really happy that my child is getting it, you know. So I'm curious what that is.
2: Yeah, I, I think the first thing that comes to mind is, I don't know, my, my mom always talks about, you know, she went to school in the Salvador, maybe to the first or second grade. And she was the firstborn, and so was I. And she had to hold it down for her family, and she's the firstborn out of four. Um, and she would go to work with my, with my, um, with my grandfather, and even uh, uh, cortar café or even vender frutas or whatever it was that they, they were able to do at the time. And um, growing up, both both my mom and my dad just had this incredible sense of like hard work and honor in their work and, um, and it, and it, and in anything, you know, I remember when I was in second grade or no, no, no fourth grade in California. Um, Cause I grew up in, in Los Angeles and in, in the San Fernando Valley. And we had to do the missions, the projects of the mission, the, the California missions and as colonizing as it is, all the kids have to do it. And, I remember going home and telling my dad and saying, you know, don't este project or whatever. And I showed him. And because he was a handyman, he literally took over my project, first of all. And then um <laughs> my my mission had tile <laughs> inside of it. Like it had what? It was a full <laughs> tiny model home of what I was supposed to do. And you know, all the other kids went to like Michael's or whatever and I didn't know it at the time. But, I, you know, it made me a little bit embarrassed. Like I was like, oh, I, I had all this stuff at home and it kind of made me feel poor in a way where I was like, you know, I didn't have the money because we didn't have the money to go to Michael's and go get this. And my dad was like, oh, I got you. And so I we did it. And and then, you know, uh, I took it home and I won like first place or something at school. And wow. as I grew older and I realized all of the things that that moment showed me, you know, both my parents always, always, always created a space for me to learn, but like teach me that hard work was going to be pay off and, and made mostly in making me feel better, like that I learned, or I created something that no one else would have done, or, you know, my mom would have me at nine years old, selling pupusas and and at the park with my mean, <laughs> with my brothers playing soccer, and I, you know, as weird as it sounds, like I was super happy and proud of like selling my culture porque vivíamos con todos los mexicanos, and las pupusas un dólar, y las sodas a 50 centavos, and I started making combos. You know, I was like, oh shit, you know, like, oh. um, God, <laughs> and I was making my own little money and helping my mom, and I think. When I'm in Iowa, obviously our kids will have a different experience. Not that we are, you know, you know, rich or anything, but like, I'm not going to have him working (laughs) at the pupusa spot. (laughs) Well, he's not going to sell pupusas. (laughs) (laughs) But I think, you know, even when we're doing stuff, um, Hector and I are all about, you know, looking for how, you know, he's been fixing bikes and we've been doing stuff around the house, especially right, right now that the quarantine is happening and just teaching him the value of that work and creating space for him to to mess up and like ask questions and do whatever. And he's two and a half. So there's not a lot of, there's like a short attention span, but I just, I really think that it it created the person that I am now and um, everything that I do. And even like the way that I, that I work, the way that I'm, invento las cosas. somebody tells me, you know, I need you for this. I'll be like, yeah. And then my head, I'm like, oh shit, no sé cómo hacerlo, But right now I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to learn and I'm going to do it. And I think it really just comes, you know, from, from my, from my parents and, and my, my mom and my dad um, together. I think there's, you know, there, there are probably so many other things that I feel like I, I can teach my my child or my children cuz I think you know we're going to adopt at some point but that is definitely like mothering. I also my mom was amazing. I love her and she gave me and did the best that she could for me and you know at some points we just didn't see eye to eye and She always would tell me, "Ni te hubiera traído este país." You know, like I should have just had you in El Salvador, and then you would have been a totally different person, which I probably would have, maybe. But my spirit's still my spirit, and um, she, you know, we we went our separate ways for a long time. And during that time, I had a lot of other people who stepped in and really became that mother figure for me. um, That was, you know, I could, I, I definitely always think about, I had, I had a Jewish mom, I had a black mom. I had a, um, a Kansas mom. I had a, um, I had a lot of parenting that happened that, that taught me how to be, um, how to be who I am now. And I think I'm taking a lot of that also, um, into like one thing I remember my friend Tanya, um, her mom was, White mom, and she was half white, and, and her dad was black. And I remember going to her house and opening the pantry, and like it was like Costco threw up in her pantry. And I was like, Oh my God, I've seen these many snacks in my life. I was, I was, I was like 16. I, I, I'd never been, you know, and my, my house didn't just didn't roll that way. And so, and you know that now, like when your kids come over, there's like jars. You're, full of you're a snack queen. Yeah. I have like, jars full of snacks i have fruta for the kids like i'm always making sure like i i say to to Hector i'm like i want agua to feel like when he's growing up his friends will be like hey let's go to your house because your mom has the good snacks like she has all that stuff on the freezer you know i want to be that parent where the kids-
1: i love wait i love how agua's friends sound hell of la cholo <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, yes, that's what my friend sounded like. Um, yeah, so that's, I think there's you know, there's tons of other things. I love that. Um, and I, I love your mom,
1: she's great. Um, my mom, uh, hey, my mom, my mom can be incredibly generous and the opposite as well. <laughs> I feel like, uh, you know, she can be very generous um, when we're in her space um, and really and really attentive. Um, and I think in some ways, she's kind of like attempting to, in her own way, make up for some stuff around maybe not having been able to be as attentive because of, of having worked so much. Uh, she worked at a factory for like 20 years, the first 20 years we were in this country. And so you know, she'd get home and she'd just be exhausted and didn't really have the emotional bandwidth to engage or play or help with much, you know? And so I feel like now when we're in her space, she can be like super duper overly attentive and, and just giving, you know, giving and generous. And I, I I feel like I'm in a similar place with my kids where I, um, you know, want to be in tune with their needs and want to be able to give and be generous with them. I know I also hold down a lot and I work a lot. uh, But now that I see her be like a really loving and generous grandma, I feel like I want to be able to, you know, match that or be able to live up to, to what a loving and giving grandma, sometimes a little bit on the spoiling side, I am definitely not on the spoiling side of my kids. Um, obviously, if I compare it to my childhood, like my friend, uh, one of my friends and I kind of laugh on my colleagues and say, our kids are so spoiled, you know, because we, we went through hell. I mean, you and I and a whole bunch of other people I know. So we're like, they get their own bed, you know. <laughs> Things that are really basic. <laughs> a bed frame, not just a control. Yeah. <laughs> yes. A bed frame, not just a colchon. And you have a remote control. Like you don't have to like use a knife to like, you know, t- kind of press into the hole that the TV has. <laughs> For those nineties kids, you'll know what I'm talking about. Everybody else you'll be like, what? You know, um, Uh, but yeah so we just have moments of like our kids are so spoiled like you know there's a part of of me that I think like and maybe it's totally backwards of like there are real rough experiences that like made me who I am and I yeah I don't like the experiences but I really appreciate those edges in me Mm -hmm. that I feel like oh my god my kids have no edges like am I am I doing something wrong you know so Anyway, um, I think the generosity for my mom is something that I want to match and something, the attentiveness and who I think she's become the grandma that I think she wanted to be as a mom, you know, and I see it and I appreciate that. And my dad, like, oh, my dad, my dad has just always been um, going against the grain. You know, he was the first person to be so and critical of Christianity with me as a five, six, 10 year old, 15 year old, like always talking smack, but not from like, not from like a, a screw going to church type of place. Cause it's annoying, but more from like a, like a theoretical, like intellectual place that I think really um, helped me open and super excited about exploring uh, my indigeneity, exploring my, exploring like traditional, Beliefs, um, you know, more of our ancestral legacy, uh, you know, from from the Americas that I feel like I have so much appreciation for, and and also like just non Christian traditions that I'm excited about. He was always one of those folks that was kind of like a working class intellectual, and so I just hope that I can take some of that away because you know he wasn't necessarily a leftist and he wasn't in the movement. But he did it in such a way that I feel very moved by it. So I just hope that I, I'm i not one of those kids. I'm not one of those people that ends up making their kids, you know, so like Ugh, the movement, you know, yeah. which I saw a lot of that in LA. I know you saw it a lot, too. Where like we see like these Chicano movement, like warriors from the 70s and their kids were like, screw that. Screw that life, you know, because I, I, mean, I don't know all that their history was about, but I want to make sure that, I, um, that I'm that i just nuanced and like open and meet them where they're at and kind of push them a bit and not, you know, be so intense. But I definitely want to, you know, take that into my conversations with them. I do want us to go into uh, something that uh, was a good suggestion around talk about dichos um, because dichos are a great um Rich part of our culture, um, and by dichos, for those that might not know exactly what I'm talking about, it's sayings, right? Um, I remember joking around with my Marisa a few years back because my mom is like the queen of dichos, and it's funny because I called her earlier today, I was like, Mommy, recuerda me algunos de tus dichos del rancho, and she was like, She just couldn't remember in the spot. I'm like, Yeah, i was in your touch, yeah. lady. <laughs> But um, but I started writing some of them down that I do remember because I think um, you know a big part of motherhood is it, in in Latino family is is the dichos that we both think are hilarious that we agree with and that we also don't agree with and we're like mm, no that no no that's off um, but anyway so I wanted to give you the opportunity to tell us a couple of your favorite dichos from your
2: moms. My mom's playlist of a growing up of the <laughs> yes, it's so it's so funny our parents because, and you know maybe this is also something that you might that I feel like I'm going to bring with me because having a two year old you don't really get a chance to tell them dicho's but like when you have a fifteen year old in the house then you start to remember yeah. the things that your parents told you around that time because they're trying to teach you something or tell you that they already know and and you're like, and I, I I said the other day, cuando tú ya vas, yo ya vengo and I, and I just chuckled to myself because I said oh wow, that's exactly what my mom <laughs> told me um, every day of my life uh, my mom had wait, tell us what that one meant tell us what that one means cuando tú ya, va, ya vas, yo ya vengo it's like when you're, when you think like, you think you know something, you think you're doing something, you think you've been somewhere. I already did that, been there, done that, you know, like, it, like you know, because yeah. you know? as kids, I think, you know, you you, you want to, your parent comes in your room and you're doing something you're not supposed to, and they know what you're doing. And then, you know, or, or you don't come home at a time. And back then, no tenía cell phones, ni nada de eso, so like, lying was an art form very like an <laughs> <Yes. art> form. <laughs> and so you had to come up with some good good quality material and sometimes you wouldn't because you're still a kid and you know your parent they say like I remember changing in school, right? Because my mom no me dejaba mm. ponerme la ropa que yo quería or putting on me <laughs> because ella quería que esperara hasta los 15 años cuando yo era mujer or whatever, you know? And so, <laughs> so of course sometimes I would forget to wipe it all down or I would you know she would open my backpack and find my clothes and and then so then she would say cuando tú ya vas yo vengo because obviously that's probably something she did when she was growing up thus why she had these random age rules of when I could do things yeah. and do things. So anyway so now that we have a 15 year old it is important for me to write these eachos down cuz I'm going to be having them on my playlist. Um Yes, but my mom also. So I don't know if this is true from all Salvadorians, but like my family, so we're from a small, small town, and um, and I feel like most of the dicho's my mom says either only apply in her town or she just literally made them up herself. (laughs) Like Uh, probably both, (laughs) right? And so she'll she'll say like she'll say this dicho that says. Juan Gomez, tu me lo das y tu te lo comes. And she she's been, she said that my whole life. And I'm like, Ma, quien Juan Gomez? And she's like, yo no sé, yo me lo inventé. And I was like, okay, so you, you were like a rhymer, you yeah? know, you're like, Juan Gomez. She was doing like poetry. <laughs> yeah. She's like, what can I say? Um, So stuff like that. And then there, you know, just depending on the situation, um, we I'm I think you and I are similar in this que perdemos todo, like our keys, our phones, or anything, right? So my mom constantly would say, "Si las nalgas no las hubieras no las anduvieras pegadas, ya las hubieras perdido." All the time. Oh my god, I love it. <laughs> and I'm like, you're right. Maybe I would have lost my butt. <laughs> <laughs> and like why that body part? Like no la mano, los <laughs> pies, las nalgas no las pegadas, ya las hubieras perdido. I'm like, you're right. Uh, that's true. Um I think one that I never understood. Um again, losing things, and I would be like, ma este Donde están mis zapatos? And she would put her finger in her under her eye. She would extend her eye, and she was like, "Mira, mira, si está en mi ojo." And I just never what, <laughs> literally never understood it. She would be like, "Mira," and it's like, it was. It, I don't know if it was for her, like, just I'm so over you that maybe you can see through my eyes where your shit is. You know, <laughs> it's like, like, "Mira, si lo tengo en el ojo, mira." And we knew that was business. We knew that was like, okay, I'm about to, I'm about to, she's about to lose it. Like the, the fucking, the chancla's about to come. The, 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 I'm, I can't find it is about to come. So that was always, that one was always so funny to me. And she still does it. She did it to my nephew the other day and I was like, no, he doesn't even understand what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then if, one last one I'll, I'll say, because, we were poor right and so sometimes at school like kids would give us stuff and my parents I don't know about your parents but like no le gustaban que los diera like to, to take things from other people and I and I would just be like you know I would come home with the sweater or like a random thing and a pencil you whatever and and my mom would always say um to us um Por what? So, what does that mean? so if you are going to borrow something, like somebody could just be like, "Hey, sh- that's mine, give it back." And you're not, and you can't say no. En la, calle. en la calle. te desviste, you know, like you're going to be all like it pelado en la calle sin nada, porque ahí está, andabas bien, oh, can I borrow this? Can I borrow that? And she <laughs> hated it with a passion. Um And I remember in seventh grade, One of these girls just decided to give me my first pair of shell top Adidas. Okay. I was like, yes, girl. (laughs) They were her PE shoes. And I was like, well, I'll take them. Half a size too small. It didn't matter. It was was in the 90s when you wore like three pairs of socks. So like, then you added, so it was like a size too small, three pairs of socks, you know? So I was so excited. And then I I took them home and I told my mom and she got so mad and she told me you know la pones la because she was like oh I'm sorry you know and so I never gave them back I kept them of course because they were shut up with <laughs> <laughs> I so I just put them in my locker and would wear them every day. Um, But, yeah, it's just, you know, there's tons and tons of other things that she makes up all the time.
1: You knew better than to bring them home and have her go through your backpack and take them away, right?
2: Oh, yeah, girl. I was not about to bring those uh, home. They stayed in my PE locker. I would wear them (laughs) from, you know, I would go in the morning, put them on, (laughs) take them before six period. And then, you know, I would lock in my shell top Adidas.
1: Yeah, people will come, I guess their, her thought was people will come claiming back their stuff, um, and you better not take stuff they give you. Type exactly,
2: thing. exactly.
1: <laughs> um, my mom had a few good ones, or interesting ones, that I agree with now, but you see it on my nerves. Oh. Um, I mean the biggest one, most famous I think everybody uses, which is like dime con quien andas y te diré quién eres, you know. So she didn't like any of my friends. (laughs) So (laughs) it was literally a constant. And there was nothing wrong with them necessarily. They were totally cool, but you know, my family's always been the they're hermits, they're antisocial. Like I have no idea why I am who I am. Um Or decided to like organize and be around people and be with people and care about people because they're just like very on their own no parties no social like no socializing they're just you know who they are and so uh yeah it was just a constant like talking smack um especially especially in high school and college where I would like not come home as early as she wanted me to and so she'd just be like you know, saying that. I'm like, what do you know, mom? You know, uh, or just yeah. making a lot of assumptions. But I do agree with it. I mean, I think, you know, inevitably people influence you and like who you pick as a friend or as a partner or all kinds of stuff does say something about you. It doesn't mean you're the same as them, but it does say something about you. So I guess the core of it makes a lot of sense. Um, and then there was this one, there was two that I feel like, you know, my, my family is so sarcastic, as, as antisocial as they are. Like, they're just sarcastic as hell. And so they are often talking shit, you know? And so there's two of them that it's like, el que mucho abarca, poco aprieta. I don't know if you ever heard mm-hmm. of that, but it's like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's kind of like that person that, that tries to do too much is going to end up doing nothing or too little. And totally mm-hmm. applies now with people that end up like, literally trying to do too much and end up accomplishing very little because they either get overwhelmed or are just you know, going above and beyond and don't end up finishing anything. Um, yeah. But with them, it was more like that person talks too much and they probably do very little. Or that prob- the person talks too much about themselves and they probably have very little to show for it, you know, and just like yeah. talking shit, um, which is why I like that per- el perro que ladra no muerde. Which I, for the longest time, thought it was literally a dog. And I'm like, yes, si sí, muerden. Like, I got bitten by a dog that me ladron chingo, you know, in the street as a kid. Um, so I always always hate that one because of it. But, but yeah, it was kind of the thing where, like, if you talk a lot of shit or if you talk a lot about yourself or whatever, whatever, um, you probably have little to show for it and you're just arrogant, you know. And so it was, like, my, one of my mom's favorite of, like, or if you, si ladras muy fuerte o mucho, it's, like, you can you can act like you're gonna beat me or you act, act like you're gonna start a fight, but you're too scared. Like you just end up using your mouth versus like your intellect type thing, yeah. you know, which I thought was kinda cool. So I, I really like that one. The one I hated was vale mas, malo por conocido que bueno por conocer. I'm like, I hate that one, cause I'm like, no, mom, like malo por conocido que bueno, like just stick with the bad that you know and don't try new things. It's like don't you know stick with the evil that you're aware of and don't don't try to mess with something new that might end up being worse and i'm like oh my god that's like the worst life model ever (laughs) you know it's like the ultimate like don't take risks because it's better to know the situation you're in than to explore the great unknown (laughs) i'm like so I hated it then and I hate it now and um you know we've never had a conversation about it but um but those are some of the dichos and she's got a ton of pueblo dichos, dichos like your mom like we would only know them if we were in the town dealing with the goats or we the granja yeah yes or whatever the the you know whatever the chivo does at midnight or at dawn you know it's like things that we would never understand but there's still like life you know, life advice or whatever. So, um, you know, lots of love and praise to our moms who have the best details. And some of them are, are are not as good and definitely should <laughs> stay <laughs> away from as life advice. Um, but maybe to just wrap up and thank you so much for having this conversation. It was fun. And I want us to come back and have a few more in general about all kinds of other stuff. But um, one thing I want to ask before we close is this Mother's Day, you know, this will be aired probably a few days before that. I think this year for real, it ends up being on 10th de Mayo, which is kind of cool, that yeah, Sunday. Cool. Um, yeah, because it never does. Like, we always have to do two different celebrations or it's weird and awkward. My mom's like, no me hables el día de las madres americanas. Like, mi día es el 10 de mayo. And I'm like, okay, got it. Yeah. Um, so now it's the same day. Too bad we can't really be with our mothers
0: <laughs>
1: for the because of the damn pandemic. But um, okay. but I guess the, the last words I want to leave us with is, like, in this Mother's Day that's coming, like, in the midst of this <laughs> global crisis and pandemic, like, you know, what is the Mother's Day sort of wish that you want to wish upon yourself and wish upon, you know, mothers of the mothers of the world? Yeah, I, I'd love to to know if there's something specific.
2: Thank you. And thank you for having me on. I know I've, um, I always, I'm always like, I want to do a podcast with you. And you were like, yes, let's do it. And this is awesome because it's, it's, it feels good to, to talk about motherhood, to talk about what it feels like to parent energy around mothering. And if you're mothered or if you are a mother, if you would want to, you know, be a mom or all of the different things, feelings that comes with like, children and families and things like that. And I, I, like I said, I, you know, my mom and I had a a rough patch for a long time and it it basically took around 20 years to, to create a a different relationship with her, create a relationship that I could feel good about, that she could feel good about, that feels, you know, like it's full of beautiful boundaries and beautiful uh, places for us to come together and maybe not agree all the time, but but have each other's back, and um, one thing that has been beautiful to me, and I'm so grateful for, is the, you know, my my mom has been super, a, a very involved grandmother. I mean, like you said, you know, your mom is definitely a, a great and beautiful grandmother, and and I, I've learned that as you are parenting, you are going to make a lot of mistakes. It's just, there's no way that we're going to be able to not like be perfect. It's just impossible. And when we think of all of the lessons that maybe weren't the exact way we wanted to, you know, get them, but now we have all these beautiful edges. We're so grateful for it. And and my mom now that she's older and she's a great grandma and she's um, loves my kid. And I think has changed her idea of what mothering is, and I was one of my biggest fears um, for me as not, as a, as a non birthing parent was that the world, but specifically my mom, who I wanted to so much embrace me as a mother, because that's something that she has wanted her whole life, and that's something I wanted my whole life, um, that she would embrace me as a mother to my child, and that she would embrace being a grandmother to my child, and when my child was born, she was at the hospital immediately and called me every day and just has been a super involved um grandparent, you know, birthdays, coming to visit, you know, stay, you know, being calling, creating a relationship um that is so beautiful and and to see and 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 to watch um how my child relates back to her. And I think I want to say to all of the people who either have kids or want to have children and you know heterosexual folks queer folks parents parents that have you know different ways of parenting their own kids or you know maybe other people's kids um that the best thing we can do is put our best foot forward and hope that you know, with love and compassion, patience, honesty, that we are able to provide a um, a good place for our kids to grow up and for ourselves to to be able to continue to grow up. Because as they grow, we grow, and um, and I've seen that with my mom, and I've seen that with her and me um, as she's accepted me to all of the differences that I have, and also. Um, accepted, you know, my kid and and the ways in which she loves them, and so, yeah, I just want to honor. I want to honor all the working parents, all the working moms, um, all the all the working guardians. You know, anyone who is is willing and and willingly taking care of another human being and creating a space and safe space for them to grow up and and shine their light onto the world. Um, yeah, because it's it's important for us to to be to be present with all of the things that we love about our families and all the things that are also really challenging and 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 being a mom is is one of the most challenging things I ever ever put myself through and that goes you know from organizing the masses like I need to organize my 2 year old and that's a big deal <laughs> <laughs> best for foot
1: forward and yeah. And you're doing enough and you're good enough and you're doing the best you can and the best you can is, is the best. So thank you so much, Carla, for joining me today. Happy Mother's Day, everyone out there
0: Thank you for listening to La Cura Podcast. This podcast is hosted and produced by me, edited by Lourdes Hernandez. Music is by Rafael Maya. Find us on social media. At La Cura Podcast and at Con Mi Gente, C O N M I J E N T E. Please rate us, subscribe so that you are notified as soon as the newest episode drops, and share your favorite episodes with your friends.
1: Ba-ba-la-u.